Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connections, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. I want to welcome Heidi Burkhardt. She's the president and founder of Dane Real Estate. She founded it when she was 26 and uh, just by reading on the great achievements she has under her belt, I said, you know, I have to invite her to Back to Basics and let her tell her story. So hello, Heidi, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. No, I'm very, very excited to have you. And I understand you're in New York City. So you guys are obviously in the midst like everybody else, but you really gotten hit by the coronavirus. How are you holding up up there? Yeah, I actually came down to my second home in North Carolina, but my whole team is back in New York City and it's been tough. You know, we definitely have had a lot of clients and even within our own family at the, at the office, we've had a few people that have been affected. So it's... um. You know, it's really tough to see that. But as we are in New York, we are resilient. So we always come back. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that's the most important thing sometimes is just sticking together like us New Yorkers do. Absolutely. You are one tough city. That is for sure. One tough, <laughs> beautiful city because it's definitely my one of my favorite cities in the whole world. There's nothing like it no. Yeah. So Heidi, I know you and I want to talk. I mean, you're a philanthropist too. I should have said that in the introduction and you've done uh, pretty impressive things. I know you're an athlete, but I want you to walk us through it. So why don't we start like with where are you from? What did you enjoy doing as a childhood? I I envisioned that you didn't know as a child that you were going to end up in real estate. So I'm always curious about that journey into how did you get to do what you like? Definitely. Definitely. So I actually grew up in Toledo, Ohio, and was there until about 20 years old. And then I moved to New York. Um, but when I was little, I really, my mom and dad really forced us to be outside. Mm-hmm. And they also gave us their own summer school program. So we were always studying, we were always doing something. Um, if it was being active in regards to exercise, or is active using our brain, um, which was actually really it helped contribute to me never being able to sit still, which, you know, is not always a great trait, but at the same time, um, being able to always work out of issues, work out of problems and problem solve for myself um, and create fun out of nothing. You know, that's what really they taught us a lot of. And um, I really credit that in tennis when I was little to a lot of my success as an adult um, in regards to growing. And again, I think the biggest thing for us is adults is problem solving and making sure we don't go to the negative, but stay in the positive. So I think that, you know, growing up in Ohio and being so focused on a education, my dad always made us read these horrible books, which I think he just got on sale at the library. So my dad would always pick books up there and we would have reading comprehension tests in the summer and like uh, math problems. He would get a whole sheet done of math problems as we were growing up. And then once I hit 16, I actually got an internship at a Fortune 500 company. At the same time, I was taking college courses as well as in high school and also got a retail job. Um, I don't know why I chose to do so much all at once, but 
it was instilled in me just to always be busy and be occupied, I guess. Um, and always trying to, as Einstein will say, have holy curiosity, Mm -hmm. um, kind of chase your imagination and chase kind of like what the, what ifs a little bit more than most people will sit back. So, you know, I think, um, looking at my childhood, those are the biggest thing is, and also my brothers and sisters, you know, we definitely push each other to excel, to be better than what we were, um, and, and try to go and kind of, competed obviously as us kids would do you know and they always strove the strive for the best so I always strive for the best that um, sounds like a great upbringing is there anything in particular that you enjoy doing like it sounds that you had energy and you're very active is uh, besides tennis that obviously uh, you were playing competitively uh, anything else no I tried violin and I was horrible at it so I gave it up pretty fast uh-huh. I tried I tried jazzercise when I was little, but once I wore the leotard, I felt, I remember as a little girl feeling really fat, um, <laughs> so I didn't want to recital, which is so silly, but again, I was still, uh, you know, it just was in my head, um, and I was not that great either, and then I tried singing, and I was horrible, so, you know, I did try a lot of different things and failed at them miserably. <laughs> well, well, I think it's part of the journey. We all have those. <laughs> And I felt the same about leotards, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I guess the biggest thing was just tennis was such a big part of my life. And then um, eventually, I, sophomore and freshman year, I got some stress fractures in my back. So my friends actually became a huge part of my life back then. So tennis taught me how to be solo um, and just as well as being a doubles partner and, and a team effort. Um, in high school, but also my friends, you know, we all, we had a really good group of girls that we all just really wanted to be the best versions of ourselves. And even seeing where they've all gone now, it's just huge hearts, huge, um, and done ex- amazing in their careers, but again, huge hearts. So I think, you know, back when I was younger to where I am now, it's, I've always surrounded myself with people with huge hearts, um, uh, hence the philanthropy that we'll eventually get into, but it's, uh, you know, that's crucial for me because money is just money at the end of the day, right? It's you really want to make sure you're with people that really care about you. Yeah, well, that uh, well said. That's why you belong in this podcast. <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. But to come to come down to those terms, you know, and, and, and we, we keep saying with the different guests that uh, it gets to a point where you want to enjoy what you're doing exactly that you want to be around good people and people with values, because at the end of the day, if it's about the journey and you don't get to spend that journey with someone that you admire or think the the world of it's almost like pointless yep i'd agree you always want people to push you to be better right and better in a good way not better in a bad way so absolutely well that makes sense how you at a fairly young age you became very you know focused into I guess, affordable housing. Is that something that you started doing right away or you had a path into things that you didn't enjoy as much before you got into what is today your career? Yeah, the uh, funny part is I actually moved out to New York City for pharmaceutical sales. And after six months of that, I really didn't enjoy it because I really wasn't using my finance degree or marketing degree. I was just kind of, I'll say it bluntly, kind of just expected to flirt with the doctors, which was (laughs) which wasn't my thing. Uh, so I really wanted to get into something where I'd be using my degree. And then I saw a future in, you know, in pharmaceutical sales, just becoming the manager um, didn't interest me. I always, ever since I've been little, I always wanted to be 
a CEO. And even now I don't feel big enough, even where I'm at today. So I'm excited for the next few years to get to the level of what the little girl in me saw. So, um, yeah, so that was really what I didn't care for, you know, just not using my full brain. And I knew I had more in me when I was doing pharmaceutical sales. So that was what transitioned me to real estate. Well, it transitioned me to want something different and real estate rather fell in my lap. And I figured why not give it a try because it fit finance and marketing. And um, I really didn't have anything else on my plate at the time. And looking back, it's funny though, cause it's, I went to real estate as a broker and you make zero money. So I don't know again, why I went from making such a great salary to just making nothing and paying for everything, which is kind of comical. Oh. Um, cause, yeah. Cause nowadays I really try to tell people not to become a broker if they don't need to, or if they don't really have a huge desire because it's, it's, it's really hard. It's a hard industry and it's, it's not for the faint at heart. Um, at all. You know, people always told me I was too nice 15 years later and 18 years later, they're like, I did not think you were going to be successful at all. So it's, it's like, yeah. I was like, well, thanks. Yeah, I totally <laughs> relate to that. I always joke that I know there's people that when we got our first office, it was such a nice office. And, and I think people were making bets how long I was going to be able to pay that rent. <laughs> And it feels good after 20 years that you still are able to pay the rent, right? Exactly. It definitely feels good to prove people wrong on that, but I still have more to prove. So Yes. Well, it sounds that way. It sounds that you were never motivated per, for money per se, which I think it's one of the traits that, that really make successful, like the real successful people, they all have a similar story. I find either that I read about it or I have them on my show. They they say, well, I, I just wanted to enjoy what I was doing. I was passionate or these I had a vision and, and it was never about the money and then you have people that make a lot of money but you don't feel them or hear them fulfilled and so that's actually part of what I try to do with the podcast is to try to identify the commonalities between the people that are successful but at the same time are also seem to be happy or fulfilled or seem to be on the right track to achieve what they envision for themselves. Yeah, totally. I mean, don't get me wrong. You definitely need money um, to get where you need to go at times, but there's different sources of that. You know, I had, I did do one company, Saxon Heart, which was trying to be uh, interact, a, a direct marketing kind of campaign for giving back. Mm -hmm. And it failed. Horribly. It failed horribly. We did a ton of good, but it was not sustainable because there was no proven income stream. And we just kept on spitting out my own money on it. So I learned a huge lesson on that saying that we, you do need to still worry about money in regards to, you know, ensuring your own livelihood and ensuring your own um, mental state to a certain degree even, mm -hmm. but you know, not everything. So you don't need millions and millions, but you need to make sure that, you know, you're okay mentally in order to make sure the rest of everybody around you is okay. because they're feeding off you, right? Your, your employees are feeding off you. So whatever you need to make sure you're always in that good mental state, not obviously not to go to drugs or anything of that nature. You want to always stay in a positive euphoric kind of mindset, um, but whatever that means to you. So I do think you still need money to make sure you have your bases covered, but it's not the end all be all. Absolutely. Yeah. Or the main motivator, like, you know, yeah. because I, I do have friends that they wanted to be rich when we started and everything was about, about being rich and they are rich but if you know especially a couple of them if I see do I see them happy no I don't <laughs> I, they're all super rich 
have beautiful houses, but they kind of were so focused on that end goal that everything else around them crumbled in a way. Yeah. I always found as brokers too, like everybody worried about what their splits were. And I always, where you grow in the longevity of things, you always have to give up something in order for a good relationship to work. You know, it's compromise. Just like in personal relationships, you always compromise. Business is no different. To have a good relationship and a respectful one, both sides need to compromise constantly. So I think that um, knowing that and knowing that the relationship relationship is the most important factor in what I do, that no money will interfere with my really good relationships because at the end of the day, my best relationships, I don't even know what they're paying me sometimes on deals, just whatever they decide that they want to pay me at the end of the deal. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, that's everything because they always treat me very fairly when I do that too with the few that I can do that with. Ah, oh, well, that that's amazing, and and so you you basically decided, okay, I want a career change, and then and then how did it happen that you went into real estate, but also not so much into real estate, but into into an area or a niche of real estate that is not so spoken about, which is affordable houses. Yeah, we're definitely the ugly stepchild until certain things like this happen, then we turn into Cinderella. So yeah. it's always. Kind of- <laughs> But, um, yeah, I would say it it just fell into my lap. I met a guy, Brian Flaherty, and he worked at AIMCO at the time. And he really supported me when I was younger. I think he just saw my ambition and my willingness to do whatever, you know, in regards to getting to the next level um, with people that respected me, you know. So he, I think, um, no, I don't, I still talk to him to this day. And he'll joke because he worked at home at the time. So he was just happy to talk to a voice, he always tells me. Um, but you know, there was, there was camaraderie there and respect. So it was, you know, that definitely helped be the catalyst to me getting into affordable housing. But then I also met the industry. I started going to conferences cause he's like, if you want more properties from me, you have to start going to conferences. And I did. And I just met this beautiful group of people who are all about the handshake are all about their reputation, will not do anything wrong to other people because it's their reputation. And if you start doing that in the industry, then you're really kind of shunned away, mm-hmm. um, which I, which I actually appreciate. So it's kind of, you get hazed and you get, you know, as a good person and uh, you know, it's just a really good, solid group of good hearted people. Yeah. They're making money doing what they are doing, but they're doing so much good for our communities that it's, you know, it's an awesome thing to be able to do good and make money. Uh, I'm a huge advocate for that. Of course. Uh, that's yeah, like a win-win. A huge win-win. I love win-wins. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so that's where, again, I just fell in love with the industry after going to a few conferences. And then met my friend, Deborah Van Amerongen, who really kind of mentored me to understand programs and really try hard to understand contracts and the properties and what have you. And that was hugely instrumental um, in regards to my success. And, you know, from that, you know, when I started with Dane, it was one of the guys, Scott Jaffe in the industry actually gave me free office space for a while just to get my feet under me after I left Eastern. So that was, uh, you know, that beyond was price. Well, that that's fantastic. And I love it that, that you find in, in how you're building your story to backtrack into those pivotal moments or people that had given you, you know, that extra push that was needed at a certain time to really make it happen. And I think that's very important when, when we look back and we say, okay, this was a moment when this person, I don't know, gave me office space, just as you said, or, or, or introduce you to somebody and just give them a shootout even so many years afterwards. It's, it, it's very powerful. 
Oh, I think that, yeah, I agree. And it's funny, like Ken Pagano, Charlie Gendron, and Lou Heinkind, Scott Jaffe, Deborah hears it all the time. I think that they start getting real annoyed of me saying thank you. Like every, like I probably say thank you to them and feeling so blessed that he, they even crossed my path at least three to four times a year. I get mental. <laughs> so, but I think they're probably like, Oh my God, you're a broken record, please. You know, even my friend Smith recently, I keep on telling him he's just him and his wife are truly a blessing in my life. And they're probably like, who is this crazy? Lady? <laughs> no, but I think that's uh there's something to be said about that. I think you cannot thank enough the people that made it happen because it's a circle, you know, it's any, and if you want that way, you make other people want to pay it forward and help someone. Yep. And I say the same thing, pay it forward instead of giving back. So I think paying it forward is the key. And I don't think it's, You know, it's giving forward and paying it forward, not giving back. To me, giving back means there's kind of like a favor in a way, but I love the pay it forward and giving forward. It's a better phrase. Absolutely. Uh, so I love it myself. Yeah. So, so, yeah, no, I'm learning so much. I know I knew this was going to be an interesting conversation, but uh, uh, I'm really loving it. And so tell me about what's, the, what's next. Like you have a very successful company. It seems that you've done a lot of what you wanted to do, yet you still said, you know, I still want to go further and, and realize the, the, the vision of the little girl. Yeah, I would love to go further. You know, I would love to grow Dane to where a force to be reckoned with and someone like CDRE might try to buy us out eventually because ultimately I do want to become more of a developer down the way, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and become, there's not too many women developers and owners across the nation, let alone worldwide. So I definitely want to start looking more at, heavily at that and my focus to go towards that. Um, that being said, same time i do love traveling so we are starting to do a lot philanthropy with a focus um not even philanthropy but just really selling photography that i do as kind of my hobby mm -hmm. and we're going to have a lot of those profits the net profits go back to communities that really need it for instance uh there's a place in rwanda that we saw the gorillas and track for the gorillas mm -hmm. and they're hit extremely hard by covid not from covid COVID itself, but from famine as a result of the tourism not being there. So I'm excited to do something with them in the near future uh, to actually help that community out because sometimes forget in times like these because the human race rather takes precedent. Um, but I find that incredibly heroic that they're actually preserving that animal um, being the mountain gorilla. So I'm excited for, you know, to help areas like that, that only $10 is going to pay for their food for a week. I mean, it's hard to argue that. <laughs> no, But, that's, um, that sounds amazing. I mean, you won a share of civic and charitable awards. So, uh, I mean, I commend you because that's, uh, I mean, the list is long. Is there any one of the, of those uh, awards that you, that you won that, that you're proud of? I know you work a lot with kids. Work a lot with kids. We've done a lot of mentorship. Um, it's all, all of them have their own, love and appreciation right so it was all during different times of my life that we've developed different things to you know be community focused um you know i would say just even affordable housing even though it's not a, a an award just the longevity of being able to do and preserve so many low-income housing units for specifically like new york city tri-state area mm -hmm. i mean to me that's an award in itself because there's so many families that depend on that I'm sure there might be some that take advantage of the system. You know, there's always those few, but the families actually 
have grown and their their kids have grown from it to me, that's more of an award than anything. So uh, seeing people that we mentored actually get to the next level, to me, again, that's more of an award. Or seeing one of our Austin, who was one of our Blink Cancer campaign parties, uh, go into remission and not have cancer, brain cancer after having, I think it was four bouts of it. To me, that's an award. You know, we gave him a positive outlook in life um, and gave him something during the time he was getting his treatments. And, you know, he's still a friend to this day. And he, he himself is such an amazing individual that, you know, him still being here is an award to me and just something that I'm really um, blessed that that's the case. No, absolutely. Wow. It's a really remarkable work. And so I always had towards the end of the interview, I have to ask, I'm sure there's been uh, tough times, tough moments where, you know, things are not going the way you wanted it. What do you do to kind of to keep connected to your energy, to keep true to who you are? Uh, is there anything or any place or anything you do that reminds you of, of what makes you tick? You know, it's funny you say that. When I first came down here after COVID, I actually had my first panic attack, which I've never felt stressed or anxious in my whole life. And I did not know what was going on at all. And uh, the I actually called the EMS and they had uh, they had told me it was a panic attack. And I was just in awe because I'm never that person. I've always, I always work out when I feel anxious or, and I never really feel anxious. So that was kind of eye-opening because then I had to, go exactly what you're asking me is like what can I do to calm myself down even more than I ever knew that I needed to be calmed down um, and ultimately it's, it goes back to every three months I usually travel somewhere mm -hmm. so I get myself off work which I haven't been able to do um, so I do find in normal situations that traveling humbles me at the same time gives me time to breathe and not to be so overwhelmed constantly because otherwise I'm working 25-8 right so I I, I When I came down to North Carolina from New York City, I was working about 18 to 20 hours in front of the computer screen, which was not helping me. So I actually had to take time to work out like I used to do. I usually do a, two a day. Mm -hmm. um, I usually run two miles in the morning, then I go lift at night. Mm -hmm. And then I had to make sure I spent time away from the computer, which I think is incredibly important, um, and spend time like reconnecting with my family, which I always talk to them all the time, but you know, talking to them more and spending time with friends. So it was kind of... Uh, I had to slow down and I always slow down in New York, but for some reason when I got here, I didn't feel like I could slow down because I was away from my office. Mm -hmm. uh, but when I travel, I always find ways to slow down after like two days. Uh, so I think that's my biggest advice to people is like when you get overwhelmed is really slow down and, you know, take that trip once we get back to the new normal and make sure, you know, you have something to look forward to, which I, I look forward to travel. So I'm always going to use travel. Um, because, you know, when I'm traveling, I'm always able to take myself out of the situation and kind of look at the dance floor. Robert Greene, in one of his books, he always mentions that is, you know, make sure at various times of the dance, you're not dancing on the floor. You actually go up on the balcony and start looking at everything so you can assess the situation. And then you can go back, take your step back, start putting yourself on that balcony, look down at what's going on so you can assess the situation, take a breather, and then go back in once you're ready. And I, I to me, that's been huge Um, I hope to God I never have another panic attack. It's, my God, that was horrible. But um, imagine, <laughs> I imagine, especially oh, I not imagine. not understanding uh, what was going yeah. on. But I'm I'm like you a little bit, and it's funny. I I 
I need to travel to. And uh, we travel so much for work, right? That in a, in a times in times like this, when you're kind of at home, I'm I'm almost like don't feel the need to be moving around because we are going through something we never had, which is kind of being home. But at yeah. the same time, you do miss it. And it's funny because uh, two nights ago, I asked my kids and my husband, I said, okay, let's play this game. If you could go anywhere and like, there's no COVID, there's no work, there's no school. You can choose where to go now. Where would you go? So I was playing that game with them. So I will ask you that. If you could go anywhere right now, where would you be going? I would find the place where I can swim with humpback whales. So either Tonga or Antarctica. So I would either one of those explorations would be heaven to me and see some penguins. So wow. I'm a huge penguin lover and I love humpback whales and I'm dying to take some photos of them underwater. So that would be my top of the list after all this uh, to go have the opportunity to see and also go back to the gorillas eventually. Cause if you ever can get out to Rwanda and hike and track and be with the gorillas for the hour that you're able to it's um unbelievable time let alone the safari so well yeah, always sounds, sounds nice yeah it's it's the masamara during the we actually were lucky and we went during the migration and it was i will never think of life anything else but simple now and 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 just beautiful because that's what africa showed me and um i'm sure humpback whales and penguins will show me the same thing so i'm those it's just so hard to pick it's but those would probably be top three I'll well, say three. the good news <laughs> is with the hard heat that the travel industry is taking right now i'm pretty sure you can get there pretty cheap <laughs> I, I literally am like looking i'm like maybe i should buy some tickets there for next year right now because i'm sure that there'll be a uh, hugely discounted <laughs> absolutely i think uh i think yes so so well that's that's great i mean heidi you i could talk to you for hours uh yeah. you've been fantastic <laughs> definitely we have to do an episode on travel destinations you, you sound like you could give me some nice tips <laughs> about where to go same, same to you as well so I, I still have yet to uh travel to down to south america as much i've been to galapagos but i'm dying to get to peru and chile and a few other places yeah so. south america is one yeah it's beautiful beautiful there are beautiful places to visit for sure and the world is big that's a good news and there's uh, a lot of exploration out there to be done there's no better activity i think to humble yourself as you said i think that that was a great word you used to realize how small we are Yep. I couldn't agree more. So anytime I'm here and I love travel. So that will probably be like a four hour conversation. Fantastic. So. <laughs> fantastic. And then we'll put your, we'll put your pictures on, on the show notes to show everybody yeah. what you did. But uh, <laughs> I really thank you for your time. I think this has been great. You are a, a force to be reckoned with for sure. I, I can feel your energy and, and I admire all you've achieved. Uh, you really inspire me to even want to do more. So I think that's really the purpose of the podcast. I'm sure anybody listening will have felt the same. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm here anytime. So thank you again for your time too. Thank you, Heidi. Stay safe and enjoy North Carolina. Will too. Thank you. <laughs> Take care.